0: The Light Breakfast with Asha and Nan,
1: brought to you by Maybank. On Monday Motivators today, we're speaking to Ravi Everest, Mountaineer, OKU and first Malaysian climber to summit K2. First of all, how do you like being addressed?
2: Well, just Ravi. um, Of course, um, in Malaysia, we call it Ravi Everest. uh
0: Ravi Everest. Yeah. I like that. Yeah.
1: Ravi Everest. Okay, I like that. I think we better keep with that one. Okay. I'll
0: be non-accomplished nothing.
1: <laughs> I'll be uh shut up. <laughs> 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 okay, so you are probably the first guest that we've had in the studio that is fine with the temperature in here right cuz it's absolutely freezing for us we're in winter clothing and and you're like ah fine
0: yeah the name kind of gives it away right mm-hmm. ravi everest how did this how did this love affair can we call it that or is it an obsession with with mountains and climbing when did that start for you
2: it was um during uh, what we call uh, the boring, days of our life. <laughs> the
0: boring days of our lives. The boring days of
1: our lives?
2: Well, we'll come to a stage where we will find that there is nothing exciting in our life. So we will start looking, seeking something new. So it was about uh, 35 that uh, I was going through a patch where moving from uh, being a soccer footballer, moving into where a non competitive. Uh, uh, environment uh, where people don't allow you to participate in competitive games anymore mm-hmm. so things were going down everything was going down you become a very boring person and so on. so that's when i discovered um that i have to do something new uh challenging and i just uh, decided to go for a trek to nepal uh that's where i found i find the, the beautiful part of climbing and the people uh, uh, involved in this sports so from you know from a small kid to eighty five years old, and uh, they are doing good and um, makes them very happy. So that's why I I change and I take up these sports.
0: It's it's pretty extreme though. You go from being a a footballer, so that's a team sport, so you have to rely on other people. It's not just your individual thing. But then you go to something which is extremely individual to my (laughs) mind. Sure, you have a support team when you're climbing, but you decided, is it you against the mountain? Is that the mindset?
2: Yes, it was. It was um, because uh, I realized that uh, it's going to be... um, uh, uh, what do you call this a solo event um, where you're going to deal with mountains uh, and it's no longer a team and that transition moving from uh, that uh, what do you call that um, mental preparation being in a team you, you find that you depend on, on your other uh, players but now you're moving into another sport which is all basically a single and uh, decision making single the risk also is all uh, single and um, it can uh, lead to death yeah so um, so it was difficult it was to go at the beginning stage, but then slowly, when I start mixing with all these professional climbers i I realized that um it's doable um I start building confidence uh, by climbing all those smaller peaks, alpine in various countries like Turkey, Iran, and I picked up as much as possible and that that confidence was coming in slowly, kicking in slowly, and I became a better climber and very confident person. So that really helps.
0: The fall that you had and you hit your tailbone, that is now having spoken to you, it is a small thing relative to losing eight fingertips. Can you talk us through exactly what happened and, and when that point when you realized, okay, this is happening, I'm going to lose my fingers.
2: Well, it was uh, on my first Everest climb on the north side of uh, Everest. What happened is that uh, on the north side, which is run by the, uh, by the Tibetan mm. and also, uh, um, what do you call it, With the Chinese government. So they don't provide much support. There's no such thing as rescue. There's no heli rescue, you know. So when there's no for this kind of uh, uh, facilities, uh, like compared to the south face uh, by Nepal, so, uh, we know the risk that we are taking. It's going to be a big race, a uh, high race, and so on. So, as a solo climber, uh, we know the risk that we are taking. So, mentally, we are prepared for it. Yeah? And then uh, on the summit day, uh, as we were pushing, I was pushing myself up. I felt cold, uh, fingers were cold, and so on. That's my first 8,000 meter. At 8, 6, I couldn't uh, do much. But because of our ego. See, most of the time when we are going for these kind of big challenges, due to lack of oxygen going to our brain cell, right, our ego plays a big role. Mm. When mm. you see the summit, you just want to hit the summit. You just want to reach. Our ego will be pushing us all the way. Right. Managing our ego is a bit tough when there's a, a lack of uh, what do you call oxygen to our brain cell. Mm-hmm. So we will be going to the summit. And at the summit... Um, as we are going up, you don't depend much on the rope. Mm, mm. So we're just pushing ourselves. We do our, we um, use a, a lot of our, our lower muscles, leg muscles, and we mm-hmm. push ourselves up. Now, when we reach the summit, then you got, of course, the other rituals to do that is to take pictures. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. and that, and then, but then the overexposure thing comes. With. See, those days, uh, I was an athlete for Selcom. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was carrying a small Ericsson phone. Mm-hmm. To do this phone, uh, stuff like that, I need to remove my big gloves. Yeah, okay. right. Right. So at uh, that time, we felt that I was just normal cold, you know. But after the summit and coming down time, that's when I realized that I don't have any more grip to the rope.
1: Mm. Right, so it was like your hands were stiff, were they? Yeah, you couldn't bit, hold the couldn't, rope? couldn't bend okay. fully.
2: So we come down as soon as possible down. Now, when we were rushing down, it took us two days. And then on the second day, I reached the base camp. So it's something new. Of course, everything will start with fear. Hey, mm-hmm. You're about to lose your fingers and so on. Yeah, And just that we don't know what's the degree, how much mm-hmm. we're going to lose and so on. So the best is we do um, water treatment, mm-hmm. uh, hot water treatment, and we just uh, depend on it. And of course, uh, put in uh, extra oxygen takes about two, one week plus two weeks to see the difference between the good tissue and the bad tissue. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a process uh, that you just, usually for freshman climbers we don't go for amputation. We just wait and wait, give our body enough uh, time to recover naturally. And uh, on the third month, uh, I can see the difference between the good tissue and the bad tissue and the good tissue start to close. Mm -hmm. And of course, the only thing that connecting is only the bone. So of course, uh, breaking the first one was tough. Um, wait, you
1: had to, you had to, what, your bone was sticking out your finger and you had to break it? Yeah,
2: uh, between the good and the bad tissue. just By uh, yourself? Uh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, By okay. yourself? All, wait, um, wait,
1: wait, wait. Had you <laughs> come back to Malaysia already or were you yes, still in Kathmandu? That one, I
2: was still in, uh, in Malaysia already. And of course, we referred to some doctors and the doctors say, I just break it. Okay, oh, all right. okay. <laughs>
1: just break it like a twig? Yeah,
2: just it's just a small, small, small uh, bone. Wow. Bone. So um, hmm. it was very difficult, the first one, of course. We are dealing with fear and, of course, the sure. uh, first one is always tough. But then uh, once you get used to it, uh, it's easy.
1: Wait, so, how many bones did you have to break? Uh,
2: total eight, yeah.
1: Eight. Yeah. Uh, did you do this at home? Uh, yes, yeah. I, I just want to understand how you do that.
2: Well, the first one was staff and uh, when the doctor told me this, um, uh, so, uh, because I have to go back to the mountains again, so I need to remove it as soon as possible. Because i was preparing for my two zero zero seven Everest on the south side. So, okay. um, <laughs> so
1: Nan and I, Nan obviously has the same question as me. Go ahead and ask it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So obviously, because you're quite single-minded, that that's pretty obvious. You've decided you're going to do the North Face. You yeah. you you. What is What is the word? You conquered the the North Face, and then you come back, and then you have to lose your fingertips. You break the bones off yourself. While preparing for the next climb. Yeah, that screams determination. But
1: Or a little sh- bit on the gaga side.
0: But surely at that point, you must be thinking about plans. On, okay, so how am I going to achieve this with, uh, I have a slight disadvantage now, mm. right? The skills you were talking about using the ropes. What, what, what was your process and what was your thought process then?
2: Um, it was very difficult That three months Is a very difficult uh, Period of uh, Breaking my first uh, mm. Finger Removing my first finger Because so many things In your mind You know uh, Of course There will be a lot of Negative energy Surrounding you Giving you Different different input You know Everybody will take advantage Some will say Hey I have this I have that Hey try this Try that All kind of things This is a process mm. um, You cannot avoid this so the negative energy will always be uh, around, uh, surrounding us and it's just that we need to manage it. And uh, I think I did manage it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third month, of course, I have to decide. Then after removing it now, there's another issue that is the, um, the next challenge. Um, first, you need to build back your confidence level. A, mm. Whether you can do it without fingers. Mm. So that question comes in. So I ba- went back for training. So when I started moving on uh, with the training, I re- felt good because I'm doing the same training. I can do my cycling. I can do my gym work. I can hike. I can do everything. The only thing that always questioned me was the, the cold temperature.
0: Right. Mm. Uh,
2: that, that's the only thing that... So when I went back to... Um, to the base camp of Mount Everest on the south face. That's where all my friends, I felt at home. Mm. Uh, Many of us, uh, many of the professional climbers have lost so many things in their lives. Some have lost their nose, their ears, fingers, toes, and so on. So these are all uh, people who have gone through this. And they really helped me. They helped me to be confident. They helped me to deal with the equipment and so on. So um, the second Everest was... uh, where things change, I start to adapt to the new skill requirement. Mm-hmm. And I realize that it's just same. It's the same. Mm-hmm. It's just that uh, you put on gloves earlier than others. Okay. Um, you, you tend to push more harder than others because others moving very relaxed in their equipment. Mm-hmm. I have to put in extra effort because of the short fingers, don't have that grip and so on. So I have to put mm-hmm. in extra strength. People know that uh, this guy is struggling because he has mm. less. So everybody understand the struggle that we go through, and being in that group really helps. Uh, being in that environment really helps. Um, everybody were very supportive because they have uh, the worst situation, like losing friends, you know, leaving friends and so on. So mm. missing few fingers is uh, became very ordinary. So that really helps
0: me uh, to cope up. And from there onwards, I never looked back. I was just going forward. Yeah. I understand that, um, as you were saying on the north face, because that's 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 run by a different administration. And even on the south face, um, as far as rescue operations go, if anyone does pass away on the mountainside, side, there is no retrieving. Is that correct? Uh, no,
2: I see, like this, if you are going in a big group, yeah, you have your team of Sherpas you have your organizer who organize your permit. That's different. They mm. have, even they can send a rescue team. Mm. All they need is just assurance that someone will pay for the expenses of the boys who to bring you down sure. and so on. Mm. Some of the organizations are very good, very ethical. They, they put in effort to bring you down. Okay. All right. They even are bringing down dead bodies. But yep. it's just that it's tough because you need about 20 to 30 people to organize to bring one body down because it's so vertical. Mm. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Right. So that's why it's tough. Um, but some people some of us like solo climbers know they will just leave us there okay all right once we die we, if we sit there then we know we're going to die the next day you're right because whenever you sit your body start to shut down that's it everywhere start to get frozen and so on so um, once you're prepared mentally saying that you are going for this challenge and you're going to be a solo climber you're going to do a solo expedition and you don't have any support Um so we have to be well prepared for it all right our family members also have to be prepared for it but then nowadays is different nowadays we are dealing with groups i'm guiding people i'm taking people to all these big mountains including everest uh, this uh, last may and we have a team of sherpas down there ready in case if anything happens they will be sent immediately to bring down our Mm -hmm. clients so those are different kind of arrangement that we have done but on the Tibet side those days the government do, they don't even provide heli rescue mm. helicopter can pick you up at 6,500 meters
0: okay.
2: that's where they they can still float and mm. they can take people and uh, what mm-hmm. it go down? Beyond that, they cannot. They will just float and wait for you to jump in and so on. So that's why they will do rescue up to six five heli But anything happened be uh, above that, we have to bring them down and then get physically. Yeah, un- yeah. Okay. So on South Face or Nepal is very smooth, very easy. Uh, well, uh, what do you call? Uh, facilities are fantastic, including the rescue uh, facilities. But it, some days when you get into trouble up there, the problem is weather. Mm. see with three days four days of bad weather, no one can go up there to rescue to do the rescue that's where it's very difficult Mm -hmm. but if in a good day yes people can just go up there in about what six hours seven hours from the base camp they can rush to ten hours to reach you wherever you are and bring you down so that's how uh, Things have changed uh, with a good technology, with a good equipment, technology and so on. Nowadays, uh, everything is getting uh, more smooth. So it's not like those days where you have so much of fear. Now everything is getting, uh, everybody are relaxed now when they climb Everest.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is not something I I would (laughs) ever expect anybody (laughs) to say. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) One of the the things that we always see when uh, people have done something important to them or on behalf of somebody else or the country, is to plant a flag. They've done it on the moon, <laughs> they do it everywhere. You've planted a flag too. Tell us about that experience. What was the mountain? Tell us about the climb and uh, how it felt to plant the Malaysian flag up there.
2: Very difficult, uh, difficult time that we go through. If you look at the Americans, uh, many of them are Europeans. They don't bring their flag. Mm. And we Malaysians and Saudi Asians, we usually we carry big flags. <laughs> and we start from the base camp people start asking mm. it was in year 206 when the first time was on the, on the north side first time Malaysia flag is flying there people keep asking is that American flag and so on. yeah, <laughs> yeah that's how um, uh, little exposure about mm. our flag and, and so on so that was a bit tough and of course you feel uh, a bit negative you feel small and so on compared to all those other uh, countries but the spirit of bringing flag has been there with us since uh, childhood. And um, uh, also it inspires us to continue. And you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the nation yeah. and so on. And two zero six, I realized that uh, carrying a flag is something great. It really motivates you. And not only us coming down back to Malaysia, then when you can see all those, you know, uh, media and the people Ooh. talking about this and so on. Yeah. And um, sometimes our f- pictures are being, you know, uh, uh, being displayed uh, during Merdeka Day. Mm-hmm. So th- those kind of feelings started to creep in. I think most of the athletes or sportsmen have this uh, spirit. Mm-hmm. So now, from there onwards, everywhere I go, even a small mountain, a big mountain, we carry our national flag, The Jalu Is It's been our ritual now. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right? And I've been doing this, you know. Like this year in K2, most of the Asia countries, uh, especially Pakistan, and so they all carry flag, mm. including Malaysia for the first time. Yeah. And uh, That was, was you, right? Yes. Yeah. And it, it was great. On Everest, we do it with our clients and so on. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit, uh, what do you call it, become routine. But yeah. on K2, struggling to reach the summit, uh, the last one kilometer push, it took me 24 hours. Mm. All the way from Camp 3 to the summit It was very difficult Tears So many other things that we have to go through And the best part was Displaying our flag Mm. Flying our flag on the summit of Mm. K2 For the first time That is a different feeling We have seen many times on Everest But on K2 The most difficult mountain in the world And being the first person to fly our flag Was was a bit different uh, feeling I felt great. Uh, you can see tears rolling. Of course, we have the goggles and so on. The people were helping me to take uh, the picture. The Sherpa, mm-hmm. uh, he was not uh, aware that I was with tears. Mm. You know, uh, loss of words, um, difficult to do uh, to complete the kind of speech that we want to do. On Everest, I was like smooth and talking on the summit. <laughs> you know? But on K2, was different. You know, it mm. was very deep feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I was cherished that that feeling and that moment was totally different.
0: I, I just want to say that you know, just sitting here very comfortably in my seat, I'll never complain about the cold here ever again. I personally, I'm sure on behalf of Marsha as well, want to salute you. Mm-hmm. That is a tremendous thing that you've done. Um, yeah. You know, thank you very much on behalf of the country. Yeah. But it's always an honor.
1: Well, thank you so much, Ravi, for spending some time with us today and, and, and talking to us. I am totally inspired by, by you. Incredible. You can listen to all of our Monday Motivated Sessions on the Light Breakfast Podcast. That's on the Shock App.